Welcome to the CRE Podcast, 100% Canadian, 100% commercial real estate. Now, here are your hosts, Aaron Cameron and Adam Pawatik. Welcome to the CRE Podcast, Episode 2. The topic today is GTA Industrial. I'm your host, Adam Pawatik, and also joining me is my co-host, Aaron Cameron. And we've got a guest in today, Chad Weatherall. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, Urbicon is a, a, a general contractor um, that's kind of broken down into five divisions. Um, data centers, which has kind of been our bread and butter the last couple of years, seems to be a hot in the market right now. Properties, infrastructure, which is civil works, interiors, and our buildings group. Um, quickly, we were, we were founded in 1984, private company owned by Marco Mancini. Um, we do about 200 to 250 million a year in sales. And um, Things are good. Yeah. And Chad's, uh, Chad's role is uh, just director of business development. That's right. Yeah. 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 So, so I've been with the company for, for six years. Um, started out kind of, uh, you know, going around to all the different uh, uh, parts of Urbicon. I started, I spent a week in accounting. I, I spent a couple of weeks out on site just to get a feel as to how the company actually was run. They sent me in marketing, and uh, after I glued my fingers together a couple times, he realized, <laughs> okay, he's not a marketing guy. You know, he's, I'm from Midland. I'd never had a cell phone before. So I've been uh, the long-term project, and uh, finally they, they decided to get into the, you know, maybe you should be a business development guy. I like to uh, uh, play sports and party, so I guess that's uh, how I ended yeah. up in the business <laughs> development. Code, code yeah. for I know how to drink. Yeah. Exactly. Well, he's, he's actually being modest, not about the drinking so much, but uh, I think it was BizNow last year. Labeled him as one of the best golfers in the CRE. Oh no way! Industry. What's your handicap? Uh, it's okay. You can break. I'm scratch. I'm, I'm scratch. I mean, I'm okay now. I used yeah. to be a lot better. I mean, I went to school in California and played every day. Oh no way! Oh yeah. So right. compared yeah, yeah. to you know how I was to now, I yeah. mean, You're I, I'm good compared to the general population. But to anyone who actually plays all the time, yeah. you know, I'm just a regular Joe schmo. <laughs> and compared to your average CRE. Uh, Market participant, probably uh, top of the heap. It's yeah, a great skill to have in, in BD, though, right? Because you can just, you'd be like, hey, let's go to the, go to the golf club or go to, the, let's go play around. And you kind of, exactly. do, do, do you flaunt it or do you kind of just, yeah, I'm okay? Like, you know you, what? Right? It must be almost an awkward conversation, right? Because, like, yeah, I don't know, I'm, I'm actually way, way better than you. Yeah. Well, you know, out of the, out of the gate, uh, you know, all the commercial, the NAOP SIOR golf tournaments, I said, you know what? I got to get my name out there somehow. So I literally would, I knew a couple other good golfers in the industry and I, yeah. I won the first few tournaments and then, People started to realize, like, who is this guy who keeps winning all the golf tournaments? So just to get my name out there, I did it, you know, yeah. the first couple of years to get a couple of trophies under my belt. But after that, it's like, you know, I, you don't want to be that guy. Yeah, well, you don't right? want to embarrass your, your no, clients so, or potential clients. But right? like you said, it, it's great. It, you know, I play at Islington Golf Clubs. There's a ton of guys in the business there yeah. um, to get out there and, you know, I give a guy a pointer or two. And, uh, you know, it's Golf is great because you get to spend five hours with somebody. Yeah, sure. You know, Sitting in a cart. Yeah. To meet someone and go to lunch. Especially it's, it's getting a little tipsy t- potentially, right? Exactly. Yeah. So it's, uh, I mean, it's been great for me and it's, uh, you know, everyone's kind of got their handle and, and lucky enough, I'm, I'm good at golf because I'm not good at anything else. So at least I can bring the guys out golfing. and Not uh, quite the same playing squash with the guy. Eh? Like, it's a limited pool of people. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I, I quite enjoy squash and there's probably three real estate people that I play with and and that's about it. It's not quite yeah. as regal as being out on a golf no. course in the sun, having a half a day off. Right? Well, it's funny because, I mean, 
everyone knows, oh, he's a really good golfer and, and word spreads like wildfire. But I've never heard anyone say, oh, you should see so-and-so play squash. He's amazing. He's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Not yet. You'll hear me. I'll be the first one. Yeah. <laughs> Chad's actually invited me golfing before and I spared him the uh, boredom of watching me get through 18 holes over the course of 10 hours. It's, yeah, uh, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so, so Chad, and then one of the things, I mean, this, the topic of today's, today's podcast was, was GTA industrial, um, and, and in particular spec building, I mean, there's been a ton of this going on, uh, and you, we were talking before the show started, um, a ton of this going on spec, spec industrial development in, in sort of West, West Toronto, um, why don't you tell us a little bit more about that and why? And I've got a ton of questions for you. So give us a little little run in and then we'll go we'll start asking you questions. Yeah, it seems that uh, GTA West has been the hot market for the, the spec. Uh, pretty much all industrial, honestly, is, has been seen to be going to the GTA West. Um, we did a big one for Hopewell Developments in Caledon. It was 568,000 square feet. So these are big bombers. Maybe we should let's let's define spec just for anybody that's listening. This way, wait a minute. What are you talking about? So it is it is building building without any future potential tenants, right? You're building uh, it. You're building on speculative. I mean, there's always a future. You think you would have to think there's tenants in the marketplace, yeah. or else but you, you don't know who they are. But you, you don't, don't know, know who they, they are. are. Or raise you your may, family in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so you, in five hundred thousand square feet. You yeah. have an idea who's in the marketplace and kind of you know whose leases are expiring. Who could be looking for you know new space and you know something. When you're big building big bombers like this, I mean, you got to make sure that tenants are coming because it's you know to carry 568,000 square feet, it's not cheap, right? So, and then you must have you must have a sense then if you if you have an idea of who the tenants are, you have a sense of the use that they're going to want. So, I mean, if you're building warehouses, are you, are you identifying what kind of what kind of clear height they need? You know, what kind of entrance, exit? So, what it means cross dock? I mean, mm-hmm. oh, there's there's a whole variety of different. Um, characteristics of an industrial warehouse you can build, and I guess depending on what you build, that you you kind of align yourself with what the tenants' needs or future tenants' needs will be. Absolutely, and and when I started in the business five years ago, um, I mean the norm was twenty eight foot clear for an industrial building. Now all these big bombers, uh, especially with the e commerce now, where you know it's less people, it's literally robots in the back of the warehouse that are you know going to a, a some sort of rack and grabbing a shirt off the rack and it goes out for shipping. They're going 30, 32, 36, and even um, Carter, I believe, is doing 40 foot clear. So it's it, the game has changed. Mm-hmm. And if competition is building up and you know getting more power and, and more driving doors, the competition has to keep up too. So I think that's you know one of the driving factors for these. And big- are they demisable? Are you building these giant warehouses with the ability to to segregate the space in some form or fashion? Absolutely. Um, the one we built, um, I, they sat on it for a little while, maybe eight months or 10 months or something like that. But uh, they finally leased half of the building. Um, they got an anchor tenant in. And I think that um, you're going to have your, you know, your, your one, the Amazons of the world that need a million square feet. But there's definitely people in the marketplace that are looking for the two to three. Um, mm-hmm. So you can, the, the way they design and build these buildings are very demisable. And, and the, the giant cubes, you can essentially segment uh, down, put up a put up a brick wall. And you're, yeah, demising you're walls. And, a concrete block wall. And you're you there. know, look, you know, you just little office up front. It's, they're pretty straightforward. Well, that was the right? other question about office space because a lot of guys will, you know, depending on the business, they'll want you know ten thousand, fifteen thousand square feet of office just to house the the you know the back office people that are kind of running and pushing invoices around. Right? Yeah, and it's and it's easy to add an office space inside of an industrial building. Yeah. So if you want to demise it, it's no big deal. There's not a waste of space if it's got forty foot forty foot ceilings. You, you don't you want to almost build a second floor inside that space. Yeah, absolutely. Would you, do you, that? Would, you would do two floors of office up okay. front to save space in the back for your racking. So so 
and, and I guess what's the what's the holding periods? So let's say you build this thing. Like, what do you have? Do you build in? I mean, you're running the financing on this. Would you build in a, a period of time in which you kind of expect to be to be carrying carrying the asset until you get it leased up fully? Like, you know. Well, it's funny you say that because I was talking to the, the real estate community, and they said that all the buildings that have been built, which is seven million square feet on spec, just in Milton, Caledon, Jeez. the GTA Jeez. West, um, they're saying that uh, they're two point four percent overall vacancy. And 10 million square feet of net absorption in 2015. So they're saying that these buildings are leasing up before the construction's even done, or within six months. So it seems to be. I mean, it seems like a no-brainer, but hmm. you know, hmm. when is too much? Now that's that's that vacancy. Is that for the newly constructed? No, that's, that's overall, that's overall. That's overall. In, in, yeah. in Toronto West. Yeah. Wow. I remember There's, about six months ago they announced that uh, vacancy for industrial and GTA is at a 15-year low. And 15 years ago, I think they're building at the rate they're building now. So when you factor in the required absorption to keep it that low, when you've got half million, 750,000 square foot buildings coming on stream every couple of months, yeah. it's, uh, it's mind-boggling. And, and I guess really. to be clear for those those the listening, I mean, the Toronto West market, and if you're from outside of, out of the GTA, the Toronto West market is, is close to Pearson Airport. Uh, you've got the 427, 403, 401 kind of major intersection 407 there. 407 as well, yeah. yeah. So that for, for, for any kind of transportation logistics or warehousing, you know, where, where they've got a, uh, trucks coming in and out nonstop it, it, or, or um, merchandise coming in via, via Pearson Airport, that's a really highly desirable location to be, right? And I think when um, originally, the people that are, you know, the owners, the landlords, the family money, whatever it may be, I mean, they bought this land however many years ago in Milton, and no one thought Milton was going to become Milton. Yeah. Right? So they've yeah. been, you know, some people have been sitting on these uh, acres and acres of land for a long time. And it finally, you know, I mean, out in Milton, you're getting close to a million an acre now for. Uh, Highway frontage. And it's unbelievable. Well, it's, a side tangent here. I know that the apartment universe in Milton is the lowest per person in Canada, which just blows my mind. So, yeah. well, maybe this is another topic for another day. But if you're looking to build apartment buildings, go to Milton. Exactly. And even on the industrial side, I mean, I don't know what the development charges were back then, but I know they were much lower than anywhere else. And now they're up to seventeen dollars. But you still Mississaugas, you know, twenty plus. When you're building a million square feet, you know, three bucks a square foot. It's a lot of money. Yeah, those are big numbers. I mean, it's a, on a related note, I uh, was following a Twitter feed for the apartment conference, and one of the feedback notes that uh, you know hit, uh, well, didn't didn't trend, but was popular amongst the CRE hashtag was that apartment performers work a lot better when you're not including land cost. And of course, <laughs> yeah. that's, uh, I'm sure it's a great insight to know that if you're not paying a million an acre, that your property's going to work a lot better. Yeah. But hats <laughs> off to the people that bought 30 years ago. Like I'm not driving up to Orangeville right now to start scooping up acreage and so my grandkids yeah. can yeah. build and an it, empire. And it's funny because even when we put our piece together in Caledon on Airport Road, it's, you know, it's the farmers. You're knocking on their door that have had this piece of land in the family for 50 years and saying, okay, how much do you need? And you literally, that's how the, the deals, you know, come together. Is. Are you doing that? Is that part of your job? Like, are you going out and actually trying to find these well, plots of land and talk to the owners? Because we bought, uh, we have land in Richmond Hill at 404 Major Mac, and it's called Barker Business Park. And one of the, real, the regulations that we kept in play is that it, we bought it from an old farmer named, with the last name Barker. So was the, the naming name. convention, was that uh, driven by the vendor or driven by your just... Uh, uh, I think it was just a, uh, a common hat. courtesy thing yeah. to, to to the old man Barker, but it's funny because he's he still lives right there, and you know we got to stop by and buy corn or whatever when we're driving by. Yeah. It's kind of the the corporate mandate is to stop by and buy some corn from this guy every time we drive by. 
So how long does uh, old man Barker plan on living there with uh, the development going on in the area? I don't think he's leaving. No? Um, we've already put up six or seven buildings there. And I mean, he's got enough land still that it's, uh, it's comfortable living for him. So he's not going anywhere. Is that the, the BMW headquarters? Yeah, BMW head yeah. office is there. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's right across from Buttonville Airport. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Do you, um, like, so what, when you're doing this kind of stuff, when you're looking at, at land and, and you are intending to build on spec, like what kind of other economics are you looking at? Like what, what kind of stuff are you thinking about? I mean, obviously demographics and, 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 and whatnot. Are, are you looking at, you're going to the U.S., are you looking at the big boxes? Are you looking at, you, know, you, you mentioned earlier before we came, you know, went on, on the air that you look at, um, you know, older, older assets, older, older buildings and what tenants coming up for lease? Like what, what other kind of stuff do you look at? Well, I think too, is it's just staying with technology, especially when it comes to, I mean, a lot of these new buildings are all e-commerce. So, you know, you need, you need not as much parking, you need more trailer parking. You don't need as much, you know, site parking for the staff. There's not as many staff in this building. You're looking at higher clear heights, wider, you know, wider bay sizes, more power. It's just upgrading. It's like your computer, right? If you're in a, a lease and you know your lease is expiring and hopefully your company continues to grow is what you would want. So you're, most lease people are looking for more space, better space. And like I said, the lease rates in these, these big bombers, because you're getting your economies of scale on the construction, I mean, it's much cheaper per square foot to build a million square feet than it is 100,000 square mm-hmm. feet. Same so, four walls, right? That's the basic theory. It's exactly. In between. Exactly. So mm-hmm. it, it, you get your economies of scale. So, I mean, talking to the real estate community, they're still in the mid sixes for lease rates out in, in the GTA West. And that's a brand new building. So, I mean, from, you know, if you're looking for two or 300,000 square feet, you might as well go for a new building with, you know, all the uh, bells and whistles, right? So you say, you said six bucks a square foot on the mid sixes on, on, on a net rent. Yes. Right? So like six, six and a half. And like, and I guess I'm surprised to hear that. Cause I would think that, and maybe, maybe this is to the point that it, you are just buying, you know, four walls and there's not a lot of amenity increases, right. That, cause I think some of the tired or more tired buildings, the buildings that have been around for, you know, two or three decades, they're getting five, five and a half. So it's not a real I mean, maybe proportionally that's a big premium, but it doesn't seem like it to me. Like I said, there's only 2.4% vacancy, vacancy yeah. so where are you going to go? Yeah, fair enough. And right. I would say that uh, lease rates in the GTA have room to go up. For anybody not familiar with the industrial market here, as compared to other markets, you know, in Ottawa, they're getting 11 bucks per square foot. Yeah, here we're yeah well, that's why I'm surprised. I'm surprised yeah. you didn't say eight or nine for these, for these new spaces, yeah. right? Um, people are accustomed to paying a little, but... I think the other thing, too, is when, you know, there is 7 million... Uh, feet of spec going up you got to be competitive right yeah fair enough so i think that's where you get the uh the competitive numbers from cool well um thanks that's that's i find that topic really interesting because it's uh it's one of those sort of niche markets that you don't see a lot and, and you know for adam and i working in the lender business we we see it kind of infrequently but you see it often and you really don't know how to handle it because you kind of look at it and say well i can't guarantee there's gonna be any cash flow because unfortunately we have to look at it from you know a bit of a, a risk averse position and so right. I, it could sit there vacant for five years as far as i'm concerned until you got a tenant in there with a lease signed up then it, it's, it's a challenge for us, those right? guys worry about that too yeah, right because sure. eventually there's going to be one built that sits there for five years and you never want to be that, that guy. guy right so <laughs> I, I thought i went on a nail bus tour it feels like uh, about two years ago and it was on all the spec bill going on in west gta and one of the buildings we toured was your your building yeah we also visited seven others that were all you know, six hundred thousand, seven hundred thousand square feet. So one of the one of them sits there empty. If you're if you're playing musical chairs and oh, yeah. <laughs> people are people happens. are losing jobs. That's <laughs> yeah. what happens. Yeah. That happens. Oh, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, so. I'm sure. 
Interesting. Well, so so Chad, uh, we wondered if uh, you wanted to give us uh, details on your your best and worst days in real estate. This is kind of a theme, <laughs> maybe a bit of a game we play with all of our guests and just get them to to tell us what um, the highlights and lowlights sure. of your yeah, career show, in show real estate. Show the human side of the yeah. real estate machine that yeah, is uh, Chad. Well, I can yeah. tell you one thing. I've had a lot more worst days and best days, but uh, funny little story is that when I first started, um, you know, they, they kind of give you your office and your phone and, you know, you're you're ready to rock. And it's like you just start calling people that you have no business calling. And I, I remember I, I was calling presidents and CEOs of companies. And I finally, I mean, majority of t- 95% of the time, they wouldn't return my call or email. They had no idea who I was. But I ended up getting uh, a lunch meeting with a, a really important CEO. And I didn't even tell my manager or anything. I just went to this lunch. The first thing we sat down and whatever. And he says, uh, so what do you think? Uh, I know you guys are doing a lot of data centers. Uh, what's the cost per square foot on that? And I said, oh, you know, similar to industrial. Like, and I was like, they look the same. It's just an industrial building, right? So, I, you know. I said, oh, yeah, 60, 70 bucks, whatever. And then I came back and turns out the estimator was like, you better add $1,000 to that. Like it's literally, <laughs> you're not even, you're $1,000 off per square foot on your budget. <laughs> so I was like, oh, geez. So he ended up telling the owner of my company who came in and uh, it's pretty funny that. Uh, Did you have to explain yourself? Or? Oh, yeah. And he was like, listen, if you're going to go to those meetings, like you just started here, like grab an estimator or just don't answer it. I think that's one of the, the <laughs> things I've learned is that if you don't have the answer, don't try to, to play along like you, you know what you're talking about. Just I don't say, know. What well, do you think it yeah, is? Yeah, exactly. You, you must have won the business, though, or at least a follow-up phone call. When you're quoting uh, numbers <laughs> yeah. that are one-tenth yeah, of the competition. Exactly. You, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I gave him such a low number that he obviously knew I didn't know what I was talking about, so <laughs> it was fine. But that, and on the flip side, I, I mean, I don't think I have one great day, but I think once you've been in the business for, you know, I've been in the business for five and a half years now, it, it just makes your job easier when, you know, these decision makers call you. Versus, you know, always having to call them, you know, you've, you've earned the trust. They believe in your company and, and what you offer. And when they have a job coming up, they actually call you versus you calling them. You feel like, oh, yeah, this guy actually, you know, he respects me and, and believes in what we offer as a, as a group. It's a relationship business, you know, you hear yes. that over and over and over again, no matter who you talk to, it's all about building relationships right. and trust and being good at golf makes you probably a likable person, right? Yeah, yeah. it <laughs> doesn't <laughs> hurt. Anybody that works in real estate can probably relate to the joy of an easy deal. The yeah. phone oh, rings yeah. for you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And in any business, I mean, majority of the people in this business are type A personalities that, you know, they're more like your buddies, like we're sitting here as buddies rather than, you know, a strictly business meeting, not every yeah. time. Yeah. You know, you go to have lunch with these guys, and you, you talk business for maybe five percent of the time, and you yeah. you know you're talking like buddies. So. But you want, but that's how you build the trust in the relationships, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, really interesting. Um, well, Chad, thanks very much for coming. Much appreciated. Really interesting. Um, really in- interesting discussion. Um, last segment of the show would be some news. Why don't you go first, Adam? Tell me what you what you know about what's going on in the commercial real estate industry. Yeah, we grabbed. We had Aaron and I each grabbed a story, and Chad, please feel to jump in with any commentary mm-hmm. you have on this. I don't know if you follow the uh, the Vancouver office market, but this is a big story. It just came out today. I saw it on Twitter earlier today. Uh, but Chinese investors uh, scooped up one of Vancouver's biggest real estate prizes. Uh, it's four towers, the Bentall Center. There's four towers out there. It's 1.5 million square feet, and they just purchased a 66% stake in it. It's a, it's a huge purchase. And the group that did it, it's an insurance company out of, out of China. They have $110 billion in assets. They, they bought uh, some land in Toronto last year for $110 million. So they're making a lot of, a lot of big moves here. It's um, just an extension of what everybody's been reading, I'm sure, about residential real estate in Vancouver, where here's the, 
the three quarters of a billion dollar version of that. And any sense what kind of cap rate that is? Like it sounds just way too way too high on a on a per square foot basis. Well, if I can indulge in what is essentially just rumor at this point, what I was reading on Twitter, the commentary from people that seem to know what they're talking about. The cap rate isn't out yet. It's estimated that it's going to be very low. Apparently, the buildings need a fair bit of capex. So it's just the uh, same as when they overpay for houses. This is just getting a lot of capital in a safe, uh, safe climate. Yeah. You know, the location is spectacular. It's right on top of their uh, their rapid transit system. I can't remember the name. So it's just a great pay to park money. I'm sure the, the, yeah, the cap rate's got to be, I don't want to speculate, but I'm going to guess it starts with a three. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Just throwing a number out there. We'll yeah. see what happens. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, my brain goes, you know, it goes macroeconomic and people talking about how, you know, the Chinese economy is in a slump and, you know, how that's going to have a significant impact and in investments and obviously the commodity markets and, you know, real estate in Vancouver is going to have a significant change. And I was reading another article today talking about how the Chinese, um, you know, economists predict that the China growth will only be 6.9% this year, only 6.9. So, I mean, it's not like, it's not like they're, 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 they're having significant inflation issues. Like 6.9%, yeah, it's not 14% like it was in 2007, but 6.9% is still significant growth. Like, I think that, you know, the sensationalism in news kind of overplays the impact that the Chinese economy is going to have on the global market. Yeah, I mean, Canada would throw a party if we hit those kinds of numbers. Yeah, yeah, like we're happy with, well, I think it's like 2.2 right now or something, which is stable. It's up. Yeah, it's up. <laughs> what about Calgary? Well, no, <laughs> that might have a minute. Well, that's the end of the podcast, yeah. everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Just lost all our Calgary listeners. <laughs> Um, and so my news, mine's, mine's like this is this has been a bit of a GTA centric um, uh, podcast, but mine is just talking about the new Daniel's waterfront development, and, and they've got both their uh, both the cranes up, so they've started, and it's not to really do until you know it says spring 2018, which probably means more like spring 2019. Um, but what's curious about that is that's the real first big sort of east city downtown Toronto development, and it, it probably signifies, at least in my mind, for those of you that, that you know have a good sense of the downtown Toronto core, is this is the slow lurch of the development eastwards, right, all the way into the Dawnlands. And so I'm excited because it is a real, I mean, it, it's um, it's a very sort of still underutilized, there's a ton of just bare space over there on the Queensway down by the water. And, you know, a lot of that, that east waterfront is is just barren land still. So mm-hmm. to finally see them starting to do something out there, and this is supposed to happen, I can throw some numbers at you, it was, you know, 25,000 square feet of retail space. They've got 51 office condos, uh, and it's a total of 132 million square feet of mixed space, plus condo towers, etc. right? So uh, it's a big development. It should be great for the great for the core, and it's just a slow lurch east now of, of the I, development. I think that right? uh, with Chorus and George Brown College kind of kicking that whole development off has has definitely helped with you know the rest of those lands being developed. And that was the point, right? I think they got tax breaks from the city or some sort of incentive to go down there, yeah. and it's yeah. effectively worked. I mean, hats off to Waterfront Toronto. Yeah, no, it's great. No, it's it's great for the city. It's great for people. Uh, I mean, I have a friend that commutes from Barrie. And she literally, she comes into Union Station and she can walk down to, you know, Chorus in five minutes. So it's, I mean, the location is there. It's just, you know, someone actually taking a chance to develop the lands. Well, it boggles the mind if you drive along the waterfront now and there's parking lots with waterfront views. I don't think my car needs to have a spectacular view. view. Oh, I know. Our original office was at Queen's Quay in Parliament and that's what happened Lease yeah. was expiring, and someone said, "We're putting a condo. Get out!" And that's how we ended up in the office we are now, which is mm-hmm. at uh, Lakeshore and Carla. But no Lakeview anymore. That's no, the, exactly uh, the, the big loss. So definitely, uh, definitely want to thank Chad again for coming. If anybody's got uh, wants to have a discussion with him about 
any sort of construction projects, reach out to him at Urbicon. And if you liked the show today, uh, it would be great if you could go on to subscribe on iTunes and review the show. Give us your feedback. Uh, you can also connect on social media. We've got a Twitter account, which is at CRE Podcast. We've got a website, which is CREpodcast.com. If you want any details of this show, we're going to have uh, show notes at CREpodcast.com slash two. And if that was a lot of information, just pick one of those items and uh, please do it. <laughs> All right. Thanks very much. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Yeah. Till the next one. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to the CRE Podcast. The information from this broadcast is not to be relied upon as financial investing, professional accounting, or legal advice. First National Financial LP holds Financial Services Commission of Ontario License Number 10514 and 11252.